Happy Easter, everyone. Woo! Happy Easter. He is risen. You're supposed to say, He is risen indeed. He is risen. There we go. It is a beautiful day. It is a great day here in Colorado. Great weather day. Gonna be almost 80 today, right? That's exciting. And all you guys look great today. I see some, some nice dresses, even some suits and ties. I dressed up for you guys today. Actually, actually I'm lying. <laughs> My wife picked this out. But I am so glad that you guys are here today on this amazing Easter Sunday. This is Resurrection Sunday. We celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. That's amazing. That's something worth cheering for, right? Praise God. Yet some of you find it hard to believe, right? Let's be honest. We're going to be honest today. Sometimes it's hard to believe. And I I know for some people they say it's because of science. Like, I believe in science. It's kind of hard to believe. We're not going to talk about that too much today because if the last year has taught us anything, it's that science doesn't have it all figured out. Do you know what science was telling us to do last year at this time? Wear, not wear masks. Do you remember that? They told us not to wear masks for a while. Now we're like, that's crazy. Of course we should have been wearing masks. We know that now, right? It, science doesn't have it all figured out. So I think if we even have just like a, a, a little tiny microgram or ounce of humility within our souls, we can admit that maybe science doesn't have it all figured out, right? Can we say that? That maybe there are some things in this world that we don't have all figured out, so maybe there could be things even like miracles. So we're going to set that aside because I don't think that's the main reason why people uh, find it hard to believe in the resurrection. I don't think that's the reason because I've had a lot of conversations with people who who don't have faith or who've walked away from the faith or or just saying, "I I don't know, I have doubts. What it almost always comes down to is that it's hard to believe because of the hard things in life. It's hard to believe because of the hard things in life. When we have difficulties, hardships, suffering, or when people we care about are suffering, we see the suffering around us in the world, and we say, wow, it's kind of hard to believe. I know that I've had hard things in my life. I mean, this this pandemic has been really hard for everybody, but back in January of this year, um, we we found out my dad had been diagnosed with Parkinson's. My my dad's 65, and this is kind of like a big thing, like, whoa, you know. What's going on? He has this now nervous disorder that, you know, caused shaking in, in his hands and limbs that there's going to be all sorts of physical things that come along with it. And we don't know. There's, there's no cure to Parkinson's. And I, I feel like that's, I mean, that's hard. It's hard for me. It's hard for him. It's hard for our family to figure that out. And I know it's not just me. There are some physical things. We, we worry about sicknesses like COVID. A lot of us have either dealt with it or have family suffer from it, even die from it. That we know people also that have had economic hardships too and financial difficulties, right? Some of you have lost your jobs. I've talked with you. Your uh, whole business went under or your industry is destroyed. There are hardships that we see in our lives and in our relationships. And when those difficulties happen or when we see someone we care about suffering, we find it hard to believe. We're going to be honest today. And yet it's into that hardship that Jesus steps Today and every day. He steps and he's going to teach us something about himself today in this message. It's going to be so important that we learn who Jesus is in this message. Because we should believe in Jesus and we should believe in the resurrection. And to do that, we're going to look at a story from John chapter 11 about a man named Lazarus. In case you're like, I thought we were going to be talking about Jesus' resurrection. We'll get there. 
Just wait. But today we're going to look at the story of Lazarus from John chapter 11. So if you have a Bible or you have a phone, you can even use your smartphone. If you're watching online, open up another browser or something. Go to the YouVersion Bible app. And if you use that, you can find our Arise Church Denver event, which is pretty cool. And you can follow along with notes from the scripture there. And we're going to be in John chapter 11 as we are introduced to this man named Lazarus. Now I'm going to start in verse 1 where it says, now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary, and her sister, Martha. So Mary and Martha are sisters, but they're actually also sisters to Lazarus. So there's three siblings here in the story, Lazarus, Mary, and Martha. And Lazarus is sick, and it's not just like a little cold. This is something bad that's getting worse. And if you've read the Bible before, maybe you've heard the story of Mary and Martha from the Gospel of Luke. They were very close friends with Jesus, even welcomed Jesus into their home. So Jesus knew them, loved them. They were, they were good friends, these three siblings and Jesus. So it says in verse 3, So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. He's getting worse. Come and help. That's why they send word. Verse 4, when he heard this, Jesus said, This sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory, so that God's Son may be glorified through it. So the sisters here send word to Jesus. This is like what we do when we pray, right? God, can you kind of step in? Someone's sick. Can you bring some healing? Someone has a financial hardship. Lord God, can you provide? We ask God to help us with these things, right? We ask Jesus to step in if he's the healer, and Jesus is well known as a healer at this point. He's healed people, he's performed miracles, and, and if that even is a possibility, I mean, we'll, we'll travel all over the country or world to, to find medication for, for people we love, right? So, so they're like, Jesus, we've heard that you could heal, so can you come, you love us, you care about us, we're friends, come on over and help Lazarus. But get this, verse 6, I'm sorry, verse 5, now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus, so... When he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. What? Jesus, I thought you loved us. I thought you cared about this person. I thought you were friends with Lazarus. So if you're the healer and this person needs healing, why would you sit where you are for two more days? The word so here in the English, I think it's kind of soft. The actual Greek word could be translation, translated as therefore. This is causal, meaning because Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus, he stayed for two more days. You could, you could say that. Because Jesus loved them, he kept waiting. They were asking, they have a need, they're like, can you help heal right now before it gets too bad? We know it's very bad, we need healing, right? It's not just like a, a little break of a bone, okay? We need some healing, Jesus. And Jesus waits two more days because he loves them. Now it's hard to wait, isn't it? It is hard to wait. I know that personally. When Melissa and I were trying to have kids, when we were trying to get pregnant, and it'd be a month that we'd find out, okay, it's not happening. We'd wait another month, another no, and then another no, and then another no. Month after month after year after year, for five years we were waiting. And we're looking at it and like, okay, it's time now, right? <laughs> when are you going to show up? When are you going to act? It's hard to believe when we're waiting isn't it? I talked with a couple in our church who's been wanting to have a child, and, and they, they finally decided to adopt. And they were waiting, and they finally got lined up with a, a, a birth mother. They were so excited. Fi 
finally they have this child that they've been waiting for. And right at the last moment, the birth mother decided to keep the child. This child that they've been waiting for for so long. And now they're still waiting to adopt a kid. When that happens to us, we're like, okay, what's going on? This timeline, God, that you have is totally different than my timeline. I would have done things two days ago, right? Two weeks ago, two years ago, two decades ago. What is taking so long? But what we can see here is that Jesus' timeline is different than ours. And it doesn't mean he doesn't love us. In fact, because he loves us, sometimes he's waiting to do something, as he said, that will bring his glory. So when we're in those moments, and it's hard to believe because we're waiting, we're like, oh my gosh, this is way past my timeline. Don't ever think that Jesus doesn't love you. Waiting does not mean he doesn't love you. In fact, he does. And sometimes he's waiting to pull off something even better than we were hoping for. But it's hard to wait. It's hard to wait, especially when things get worse, as they do here. Jesus finally decides, okay, after these two days of waiting, he's going to go to Bethany to this village where Mary and Martha and Lazarus is sick. And, and they have a little bit of debate with he and his disciples because it was dangerous. This was very near Jerusalem, the city where people kind of had it out for Jesus. But Jesus decides to go anyways. Verse 11, after he said this, that he was going to go, he went on to tell them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going there to wake him up. His disciples are confused, and they're like, okay, if he's sleeping and he's sick, let him sleep, okay? He needs to get better. That's what happens when you sleep, right? But in verse 14, so then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I am glad I was not there so that you may believe. Let us go to him. <laughs> now, Jesus is not just two days late. He's too late overall, right? It's, it's too late. It's, it's already happened. And I can just imagine what was going through the heads <laughs> of the family, these friends. In verse 17, it says, On his arrival, when he gets to Bethany, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been dead in the tomb for four days. It's not just two days late now. It's more than four days late. He's been dead and dead and dead. Where was Jesus at the beginning? Where was Jesus when this death was preventable, when, when he was just sick? And this is exactly what was going on through the heads of these sisters. Look at verse 21. It says, Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, if you had shown up, if you had been there, you could have prevented this. My brother would not have died, she said. If you had been here, where were you, Jesus? And I think that's the same question we ask when things are past the time that we can't even wait anymore. It's over. Where were you, Jesus? Why didn't you prevent this hard thing from happening to me? I, I spoke with another man in our church. He loves his brother. And he cares about him. They grew up together. They're, they're so close. And yet his brother started getting involved with drugs. And those drugs turned into harder drugs. And because of that, he's living on the streets. His brother is, is homeless and doesn't even want to have any help. So this guy I talked with in our church, he will drive around when he has free time looking for his brother. He doesn't know where he is. Just to try to help him and maybe even bring him a meal for that day. But he has no idea where his brother is. And I'm sure he's thinking, 
God, why couldn't you have stopped him before he even started drugs? Why couldn't you have stopped him before he got addicted? Why couldn't you have stopped him before he tried the hard stuff? And all this could have been prevented. You ever felt that way? God, why didn't you stop this pandemic before it got so bad? You could have stopped it in China. And this whole last year would have been much better, wouldn't it? We wouldn't be wearing masks today in church. God, why didn't you stop before the sickness got, sickness got too bad and it was incurable or, or could no longer be operated on? God, why didn't you prevent this from ever happening? It's hard to believe when that happens, right? Let's be honest. It is hard to believe when we're saying, Jesus, where were you? Where were you? But Jesus responds to her in verse 25. I'm sorry, verse 23. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. She believed in God. She believed that God at the, the very end of time would, would raise up all the believers. But that type of resurrection is not what Jesus meant here when he said he will rise. Verse 25, Jesus said to her, he corrects her. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die, and whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? What Jesus says here is not that I can rise someone from the dead. He doesn't even say that I can rise from the dead. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. He's saying, that's my identity. It's who I am. There is life inside of me, and it's a different type of life than anything you've ever seen. I am the resurrection and the life. That's what Jesus says. What you're thinking, even in your best hopes, pales compared to who I am. And if you believe in me, you will live even though you die. And it's not just resurrection at the end, he's saying, right? It's that you can rise up now and live with a different kind of life inside of you now. And after you die, you'll still live. That's amazing. He says, that's in me. I am the resurrection and the life. At this moment when they're saying, where were you, Jesus? He's saying, I have always been there. I am the resurrection and the life. But it's too late, isn't it? <laughs> it it's too late. Lazarus is dead now four days. So Martha had, had met Jesus on his way to the house, and, and they continue on to the house, and when they get there, they bring Mary, the other sister, out. And they were probably sitting Shiva, okay? If you're an Orthodox Jew, you still do this to this day, that when someone dies, they bury that person that day, and then the whole family will sit Shiva for seven days, meaning they'll literally sit on the ground so that they can grieve and mourn together. And all of the family friends, anybody who knows the family, will come over and bring, like, casseroles, right? They will come and sit with that family for these seven days of grieving, this whole process. And, and they have been doing this from day one when they did the burial and the funeral, from day two, day three, and now they're on day four. They're more than halfway done with these seven days of grieving. So when Mary gets up to go see Jesus, all these friends who had come by and, and, and brought those casseroles go out with Mary to meet Jesus. That's where we pick it up, verse 32. It says, when Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, we've heard that before, my brother would not have died. Same thought that Martha had. Jesus, you could have prevented this. You could have stopped it, but now it's too 
late. It's too late. It's over, right? You know, we, we have these things in our lives when, when the person has grown sick and they have died. It's too late, right? It's too late for, for the friend of mine whose son died this last week. It's too late. It's too late when we see our country ravished, ravaged or the whole world ravaged by COVID-19. 500,000 plus deaths in our country, two and a half million around the globe, you know, entire economies destroyed, people in poverty. It's too late. We, we see that someone goes into some massage parlors in Atlanta to shoot them up. It's too late. Or what happened here in Boulder? It's too late. Verse 33, when Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. I underline that word deeply moved. He was deeply moved. In the Greek, it's, it's one word, and I, I think this is a pretty poor translation. Because you could also translate it as, he was angry, indignant, perturbed. It's a word that's often used of animals when they're groaning or growling. Ah! Uh, can everybody growl with me for just a second? Rah! Okay, one, two, three. Rah! That's how Jesus is feeling, right? He's angry. And I don't think he's angry at Mary and Martha or, or the, the friends for grieving. That's what they were supposed to be doing. You're supposed to grieve with those who grieve. That's what you're supposed to do. I, I think that Jesus is angry at death. That we live in a world that there is brokenness and sickness. That bodies do fall apart. That our immune systems aren't strong enough sometimes to fight off the disease. I think Jesus is angry that our world has sin and brokenness and death at all. It's not the way it was supposed to be. And Jesus is angry at that. You been there? Have you been angry at some of the things that you see in Boulder? And this is the anger that Jesus feels at the death of his friend. And when he gets to the tomb, that's why he weeps. John eleven thirty five. 35, Jesus wept. If you're ever on Jeopardy, that's the shortest verse in the entire Bible. Jesus wept. And yet it's so filled with truth, isn't it? Because Jesus, when he sees his friend dead, when it's too late, tears come down his face. He's driven by the emotion that you and I feel. Because don't we cry? From the moment that I was born at 10.45 p.m., August 4th, 1987, I started crying, and I've cried every year of my life since. Right? And it's not just because I was a little baby then, but, but now there are real things to cry about, right? There are deaths, there are sadness, there is hurt. And there are things in our lives that cause us to cry, and every single one of us has them. There is not enough Prozac in the world to stop us from having things to cry about, right? We have things to cry about in our lives. And Jesus is there with us, weeping. One of the most amazing things about our faith, and it's, it sets it apart from all the other faiths in the world, is that our God cares so much 
that he doesn't just stand out and watch everything unmoved with a stoic face, but he gets down into our world, becoming human in Jesus Christ, and he feels everything that we feel, even grief. He feels it. He's moved. He's angry. He's sad. He weeps. Tears stream down his face. He cries with us. When we say it's too late, it's gone, things have gotten as worse as they can, he is crying with us. That's our Jesus. He weeps. He weeps when the relationship is over. He weeps when there's a divorce. He weeps when there's a death. He weeps when there's suffering and pain. Jesus weeps with us. Verse 36, then the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? There it is again. Why didn't you stop it, Jesus? It's too late now. He's four days from the ground. It's too late. Jesus got angry again, it says. And when he got to the tomb, he ordered them to remove the stone. You see, when Lazarus was dead, they would have uh, immediately buried him that day. They would have wrapped him in linen, put a cloth over his face, laid him, laid, laid him down in a cave, and have like an outcropping built into the cave, and, and they would have put the body there, and they would have taken a big, heavy stone, and they would have rolled it over. That was the tomb in those days. And, and Lazarus had been in this tomb now four days. So when they get there and Jesus says, okay, just roll the stone away, Martha's like, no, 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 no. Jesus, it's been four days. It'll stink. It'll stink. In the KJV, it translates it as, it stinketh. Look it up. He stinketh. Because do you know what happens to a body when someone dies? Their heart stops beating, right? So there's no more blood flowing everywhere. The skin turns pale. The brain stops functioning. The organs stop working. That's why we have to do organ transplants nowadays so quickly, right? Because the organs will fail. They'll stop working. The muscles will stop working. The body is gone, and then it will start producing gases, and it will stink. And in a tomb, they would have put some spices in there, but that's like potpourri. It's not going to cover up the smell of death, is it? It would have filled up that tomb. So four days in now, four days in, Jesus said, roll the stone. And Martha says, no, no, no. It's too late. Way too late. Four days too late, Jesus. There was also a belief among the Jews of that day that, that the body um, would keep the soul for three days after death. Just kind of like this superstition that the, the soul would live in the body for three days and then on the fourth day would leave that body. So everyone there would have said, okay, maybe there's a small possibility in those first three days. Maybe, you know, we've got the right paddles. Boom, you can shock him back to life. Maybe. But it's the fourth day. It's way too late, Jesus. It's over. It's done. Finito. Mussolini, right? It's over. The body stinketh and the fat lady singeth. It's done. But Jesus says anyways, roll the stone away. And then Jesus opens his mouth. It says in a loud voice. He calls out. Lazarus! Jesus bellows, calling his name, Lazarus, to this man whose ears have stopped functioning, who has no brain to operate at all, to this dead man who is way too far gone. Jesus calls, Lazarus, 
And I think in the same way, he calls each one of us by name. Did you know that? That Jesus knows us, he knows our life and what we have gone through, and he speaks directly to each one of us. His voice. He, he cries out, Peter! He cries out, Angelo! Margaret! Jesus calls us by name. But that's not it. Jesus says, Lazarus, come out to the dead man who can't move, whose organs have stopped functioning, whose body has no power in it. And yet somehow in that moment when Jesus calls with his voice, maybe in some miracle, we don't know, but, but Lazarus' heart starts beating again, pumping blood. And maybe the skin started getting color again. His brain started functioning again. And, and Lazarus now has power in his organs and his muscles. And he gets up. Four days dead. Lazarus starts walking out of the tomb. Still with the linen wrapped around his legs and a cloth on his face. So that when he emerges from the tomb in front of Mary and Martha, Jesus and all these witnesses. Jesus has to say, well, let's get those clothes off of him, right? He's alive! Lazarus had risen from the dead by the power of Jesus' voice because Jesus is the resurrection and the life, and he just proved it. You're thinking maybe someday there'll be a heaven out there. No, no, no. I am the resurrection and the life now. Do you believe this? Jesus is saying to us. Do you believe this? In verse 40. Verse 40, then Jesus said, Did I not tell you? That if you believe, you will see the glory of God. He showed his glory, didn't he? He showed his glory in its fullness that he has this power. And that he has that power for you and me as well. He is the resurrection and the life. The most amazing thing is it, it seemed way too far gone, right? There was death. It was over. Everything was done. Yet that's when Jesus went to work, isn't it? One theologian, Frederick Buechner, says resurrection means that the worst thing is never the last thing. When we believe in Jesus, even when it's way past gone, four days past gone, it's not too late for Jesus to work. He has that kind of power. And it's in that same power that he calls to us, calling us to rise up. Because some of us are still living in these tombs. The life that we have, we look around and it stinketh. We're suffering, we're worried, we're angry, we're, we're dealing with depression and anxiety, and Jesus sees that, and he wants us to rise up, no matter what we're going through. He's not saying our life isn't hard. He knows it. In fact, that's why Jesus came down to live in the hardship of our life and show us that he cares and that he loves us, and that he has a glory and a power that can overcome everything, and that's why we can rise up. One of the most amazing things about this encounter and it says this at the beginning of the chapter, that Jesus knew when he went there to Bethany that it would mean people would try to kill him. This is the last miracle that's ever recorded in the Gospel of John. Because it tells us in the last half of this chapter that right after this, people started plotting to kill Jesus. They had a plan. We don't want Jesus anymore. He's, he's making too many headlines. He's, he's going to take away our power. The Romans are going to get mad. We've got to kill him. That was their plan. And the very next time that Jesus wept, you know when it was? Or at least the scriptures tell us the next time he wept was when he was in the garden on that Thursday night. He had shared a meal with his friends, his 12 disciples. 
And then he went into the garden to, to stay up all night and pray. And while he was in there, it says that he, he, his words were, my soul is overwhelmed to the point of death. And it says he wept, even tears of blood. He cried so hard there because he knew what was coming. I wonder if when he was there with Lazarus and it says that Jesus wept, he knew what was coming to him, that when he disrupted this funeral, it was going to be his own. That when he stopped death, it meant that he would die. So when Jesus cried that night in the garden, he knew, he just knew somehow that Judas would betray him, one of his closest friends would sell him out for 30 pieces of silver. That the soldiers would come and they would arrest Jesus, that they would put him up with a sham of a trial where people would come and give false accusations against him, bringing injustice, and even though nothing was found against him, they still beat him, they whipped him, gave him 39 lashes so that he was weak and bloody. And then when they sentenced him to death by crucifixion, he was too weak to carry his cross. And Simon, a man from North Africa, they had him come help Jesus carry the cross because they exiled these people outside the city limits, saying, you're no longer one of us. And they sent Jesus out onto the hill called Golgotha, and they nailed him to the cross, hung him up, and there in the Middle Eastern sun for hours, he baked as he slowly suffocated. wonder if that Jesus knew that was coming. But he was willing to face that show his glory and he was willing to do that because he knew that when he died on the cross the perfect man the perfect god man something powerful would happen and his glory would be revealed again that when jesus breathed his last in front of all those witnesses and a roman soldier took a spear just to make sure he was dead and jabbed it in his side he was then they took down his body and they wrapped it in linen cloth put a put a cloth over his face lied him in the tomb of joseph of arimathea a rich man And they rolled a big heavy stone in front of that tomb. It was too late, right? All hope was lost. The savior of the world was dead. The disciples were dismayed and had run for their lives. They weren't there. Nobody was there on that Friday night. That hopeless Friday night. No one was there on Saturday either. As Jesus' body, we know, of course, had no brain activity. The heart stopped beating. The skin turns pale. The organs stopped working. The muscles fail. And there was Jesus' body on Saturday. But not on Sunday. On Sunday, when the women went to the tomb, the stone wasn't there anymore. Somehow, by the power of God, the stone had rolled away. And when they went into the tomb to check it out, there was no body either. There was only the linen cloth neatly folded and left there. And they freaked out. They, what's going on here? What's happening? But then Jesus appeared to Mary, a different Mary. She saw him and talked with him. Jesus appeared to Peter and, and 10 of the disciples at one time. They saw him. It was their Savior, the Jesus that they knew and loved, was alive. And Thomas wasn't there with them. And he said, no, 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 it's too hard to believe. <laughs> I can't believe that unless I see it for myself until Jesus appeared to Thomas too. And and Thomas got to to feel the holes in Jesus' hands and feet and side. And he knew this was really Jesus, really again here in the flesh, that he had risen from the dead. He had the resurrection and the life in his body again. And Jesus appeared to over 500 people over a span of 40 days. It's written down in our four gospel accounts. We have eyewitness accounts. We have others writing down on behalf of eyewitnesses, not only in the four accounts of the gospels, but from Paul and some of the other New Testament writers. 
They all saw it. And then they gave their lives to tell other people that Jesus is the resurrection and the life. They believed, and they want us to believe as well. Because when we believe, we too can rise up. We too can rise up. So as, as the band comes up, I want us to think about our own lives. Sometimes it is so hard to believe, right? It, it's hard, it's difficult. We're, we're way past gone and, and things have gotten way worse than we thought they ever would. But no matter how bad things are, even if it's four days too late, Jesus is still the resurrection and the life. And I know because of that, in my own family, we can rise up with my dad's diagnosis. He is a believer and he is filled with hope. That I know for the couple awaiting an adoption might seem like forever. We don't know what's going to happen or when it's ever going to end. But they can rise up and have hope for the future that God has for them. For the brother that, that cares about his drug-addicted brother, he has hope that God can still turn things around. God can still redeem even the worst of us. That when we suffer and struggle, when there's death and sickness, we can rise up. So what I want you to do right now is please just stand up. I want you to rise up together as a church. If you're watching online, rise up as well. Jesus is calling us. He's calling us by name. He's asking us to rise up, to come out of the tomb we're living in. So if you're here and you've been suffering, if you've been struggling recently, you've had a job loss or financial difficulties, it's time to rise up. If you yourself, if you're watching online and are sick, you can rise up. If you're caring for someone who is sick, you can rise up. Can we say that together? Rise up. Let's do it again. Rise up. It's time to rise up. If you're here with anxiety, rise up. Depression, rise up. If you are struggling and suffering, whatever it is, it's time to rise up. If that person you're caring for gets sick, we rise up. If they die, we rise up. If we die, we too will rise up. Okay? Do you believe this? Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. I am the resurrection. Jesus, who he is, his identity, gives us that power when we believe in him. That's what he wants. Just believe in me. That's all it takes. Put your faith in me. I know it's hard to believe, Jesus says, but I am the resurrection and the life. Lord God, I pray over this church, these people who are watching online all over the state, country, and world. Lord God, I pray that you'd give us the strength to rise up when it's hard to believe, when we think there's no more hope. Help us to rise up again this life and in the one to come. Now with eyes closed and heads bowed, there are some of you here who have never believed in Jesus Christ and maybe today is today. Some of you are even saying, ah, I don't know, but I want it to be true. If that's you, today is the day to put your faith in Jesus, to believe in his name because that's all it takes to receive that life now, the resurrection life and the life in the age to come as well. And I want you to receive it, so I'm going to give you a chance to say this prayer. And what we do here is if you're already a believer in Jesus Christ, I want you to say this prayer, repeating it after me out loud. And then if it's your first time to say this prayer, you're going to say it too, okay? Can we do that? With, with eyes closed, let's repeat this prayer after me. Dear God, thank you for loving me. I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. Forgive me. Save me. I believe that Jesus is Lord. I believe Jesus is the resurrection and the life. 
Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Help me to rise up and follow you. And with eyes still closed, if you said that prayer for the first time and meant it, you believe in Jesus Christ today, I want you to just slip your hand in the air. Praise God. We just want to celebrate with you. Praise God. If you're here in person or online, praise God. Just go to arisedenver.com slash connect. And if you fill out the form if you click when it says, I started following Jesus, I'm going to send you a free book, okay? I just want to encourage you, pray for you, and just bless you because we all get to celebrate that today. One more, three more, however many more resurrections. Lord God, we celebrate that. And, And Lord God, we just stand here together. We have risen up as a church, as a people. Lord God, we are rising up as the kingdom of God today. All across the world as people celebrate the resurrection. We are so grateful, Jesus, that you proved your power through Lazarus and you proved it even more when you conquered over death once and for all on the cross. Lord God, we put our faith in you. We believe in you and we know that we can rise up right now and we will rise up on the last day as well. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.